The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us today. I am so glad that you have joined us. Thank you so much also for liking us on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. It's great to see those new likes and to see all those likes coming along and see the word about Spirit of Recovery spreading. Thank you also for emailing me and letting me know how it's going for you in your spirituality and in your recovery walk. Thank you also for letting the people in your unity community, your recovery community, your friends, your family, your other spiritual communities know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. And thank you for spreading the word. Um, it's just great. And we're just loving seeing um, our listeners growing and knowing that we are being of service here on unityonlineradio.org. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. My guests are always either people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people or sometimes all the above. And we are bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. Obviously, you can listen live. You can listen via your computer. You can uh, go to Stitcher.com and dow- download their app, searching for Spirit of Recovery. You can listen via uh, any of your smart devices. You can listen um, to our archives on demand. You can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery and find uh, lots of great archived programs. I want you to know also that if you are enjoying Spirit of Recovery and or any of the other many great programs on unityonlineradio.org, you can financially support this radio network. You can um, make a one-time or a recurring gift. Simply text from your smartphone, Unity Radio, to 72727. And um, that can make a big difference uh, for Unity Online Radio. So thanks for considering that. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of someone who has the disease of addiction, perhaps you are in your own recovery as a family member, for there are recovery programs for families and friends. And uh, that's recovery, too. It's different in some ways, in some ways exactly the same. But whoever you are, maybe you're just curious about the process of uh, recovery, curious about what the disease of addiction is all about. We're glad you're here, glad you're listening. You're welcome to participate. If you have a comment or question for my guest uh, regarding the topic of the day, we're happy to have you email or call in. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor. I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And almost 34 years ago now, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of the unity and recovery principles 
and that transforms my life and it keeps me growing and keeps me honest and I'm grateful for that. And uh, so I am delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about recovery and spirituality with you, to open your mind, hopefully, to some new ideas, to open your heart to some great inspiration, and to um, help you make connections with uh, deepening recovery and spirituality. It's also great to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and your recovery walk. Our topic today is... Spirituality times two, living unity and recovery. Um, And what we all know is that a commitment to recovery is going to lead us one way or the other to find ourselves spiritually. There are universal spiritual values that uh, we'd find across any sort of a faith tradition or a faith path. And um, the paradox is that while they're universal values, each and every one of us lives those spiritual values, those uh, spiritual principles in totally unique ways. And today my guest is Roxanne Graves, and she's going to share with us about that, about how she does that, how she lives universal spiritual values in her own unique way. Um, Roxanne is a person in long-term recovery. Um, She will be celebrating, I think, very soon, 30 years and the recovery process, and she's also a soon-to-be licensed Unity Minister. I believe, actually, this very Friday, she's going to be that's licensed. Right. She's a part- that's congratulations! Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, it's she is very part- exciting. It is, and we'll. We, we are going to hear about it because I know you're a participant in the field licensing program, which is a, a way that Unity opens up uh, that ministerial path. And um, so she's going to tell us about all that, how she combines uh, Unity and recovery principles. So thanks for being here and especially this very special week of your licensing as a Unity minister. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Anna. I am so happy to be here today. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. So, uh, well, let's start off with an easy question. Um, I'm making a little joke there because it's not a very My easy name? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, your name. What's your name? We know your name. But what's, what was your, tell us about your initial spiritual awakening. And, boy, that could mean anything. And it could have been early. That, Who knows? What was yeah. that mean? That really, really could mean just about anything, doesn't it? Because um, when we talk about spiritual awakening and recovery, we talk about different kinds of spiritual awakenings, the, the burning bush or the educational kind. And I think I have had more of a long-time grouping of educational types of spiritual awakenings. I think that... And they they generally, I, I generally recognize them all in hindsight, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense at all. But yes. I can tell you that I think my first true recognizable spiritual awakening was the understanding that God was good. Mm-hmm. Not that God was this scary entity out there somewhere, watching me at all times, ready to shoot me with lightning bolts at any given time, which is the God I grew up with. Actually, the God I grew up with, in my mind, actually very closely resembled my father, who um, drank too much most of the time, and he was pretty scary, and he had rules that uh, were sometimes in place and sometimes not in place, and so... To me, God was waiting for me to mess up so that I could get in trouble. Now, this was my understanding of God. It isn't because anybody really told me that necessarily. I mean, they, I, I did grow up in a family where we were given the religious rules, and we weren't really explained why we had to follow these rules, but we were told that if we didn't, follow the rules properly, then something terrible was going to happen. And as a child, seeing what terrible things happened if you didn't follow the rules at home just kind of made those two things parallel for me. So when I came into recovery, and I'm so grateful for recovery because 
recovery did give me a loving God that is always good. But I remember, I remember in early recovery, I couldn't have been more than 90 days in recovery. And I remember thinking, wow, I like this God. You know, and at the time, it didn't occur to me that there was really only one God. <laughs> I was the recovery God was a good God, and I wanted to hang out with this God, not the God I grew up with, but this God. And I was going to trust, even though I hadn't had much experience with this God, I was going to trust the people in the rooms that were telling me that I was good, that God was good, and that God loved me. Mm-hmm. And that was probably my very first recognizable spiritual awakening. And it was pretty, you know, pretty important. For sure. Let me ask you this, and then I want to come back to, to ask you some more about how, how, you, how it was that that was so important. But sort of what I'm hearing, which I think is a real uh, essential aspect here, is that your first understanding of God was through your experiences, maybe in your family with your father and, and feeling like God had some those traits. And then also, in, but in recovery, there were people that were different, that they were more loving, more kind, and, and, telling, and you were having a different experience of God through people. How does that work? Yeah. How is it that God and people work? How do we get that going? What's that about? How would you say that? <laughs> well, in recovery, the recovery, whether people want to see it this way or not, recovery is all about a spiritual understanding. And since so many of us, unfortunately, grow up being abused spiritually or religiously, we're kind of scared of God. We kind of try to stay under the radar. And the people who have more time in recovery, they take us by the hand and say, no, no, no. You have to trust a power greater than yourself. That power is a good power. That power is a, it is a power that you can trust. How can you trust a power greater than yourself if you're afraid at every turn that you're going to get in trouble, beaten, something's going to happen, you're going to lose something, somebody's going to take something away, you'll be harmed, um, you'll be punished for something. Whereas the people in the rooms are like, no, 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 that's not the way it works. The way it works is let go, let God take care of it, and wonderful things happen. Mm-hmm. You are good. God made you good. God didn't make any junk. Do you remember hearing that in early sobriety? I do. God, like, yeah. God don't make no junk. Mm-hmm. No. And they and watching them and watching them laugh and watching them having success in their life and watching them experience this connection with this power that they call God. And nothing bad's happening. Only good things are happening. I mean, life still happens. But even through life's trials, they were still able to see the good in life and experience the good in life. And so those people were able to show me that God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the God I grew up with, you know, I come from a long, long line of non-practicing religious folks meaning that they they followed all the rules, but nobody really ever explained why we had the rules. Mm-hmm. So we, we had to do this on Saturday. We had to do this on Sunday. We couldn't touch this. We uh, couldn't eat that. We couldn't. There were all the rules, and if we didn't follow the rules, bad things happened. And those bad things, of course, were going to be when I passed away, then I would end up in hell. The opposite was if I did all the rules right and, and was a good girl, then I'd end up in heaven when I died. Um, very confusing stuff for me as I was mm-hmm. growing up, mm-hmm. especially living in a household with an active alcoholic, um, growing up in all that chaos and confusion. 
I pretty much understood at a very young age that I was already in hell. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of confusion there, too. For sure. You know, what you said earlier, uh, Roxanne, is that how important it was for you. Obviously, it sounds like it was life-changing. What are some of the things that happened for you because your concept of God began to shift? I think the biggest thing that happened was a little at a time, fear started to leave my life. Just a little at a time, I started being able to trust other people, trust my life. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably the most life changing event was fear leaving my life. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have fear. I still have fear. Even thirty years later, I get afraid because life does happen. But mm-hmm. then I remember, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have to be afraid. Life is gonna happen, but God uses everything for good. All I have to do is turn my thoughts to God. So it's like it gives you a real powerful resource that so having a, a better ex- concept of God and a relationship with God then keeps you from just getting lost in the fear or getting lost in, you know, whatever's going on in the world or what's happening in life, it sounds like. Well, and it took me out of being a victim of my life. Tell us more you, about you that. you use the word, well, you use the word power, you mm-hmm. don't. One of the, we're talking about living unity and living recovery. Well, one of the principles in both areas is the fact that we have dominion over our lives. We are not victims of our lives. You know, through trusting in God, we have dominion over our experiences every single day. We get to make a choice regardless of what happens in our lives, how we react to it, how we respond to it, how we feel about it, and what we do about it. And sometimes, depending on how we behave, we can totally alter a chain of events. So we are no longer victims. You know, I I grew up being a total victim of my life. Um, I was a victim of my bosses. I was a victim of my parents. I was a victim of my brothers and sisters. I was a victim everybody else's fault for everything that happened in my life. And recovery, you go through that process of really taking a look at your life and the things that you've done in your life and saying, okay, yeah, so most people on my list here, they were they had wronged me. But somewhere in there, I had played a part. And what was that part? And once I can go through and clean up all that past, then that leaves me an open mind to be able to look at what I'm doing today and say, yeah, this doesn't look so great, but what is my part? And how can I do it differently so that I have a different reaction? that I don't react at all or that I can still come out of this feeling like I had a choice because Mm -hmm. we have a choice in everything that we do, right? Absolutely. And I think um, recovery gave me the first book at that and then Unity Principles affirm that every single day. Right. Thank you, Roxanne. It's time for our break. And our topic today is Spirituality Times 2, Living Unity and Recovery. My guest today is Roxanne Graves, a person in long-term recovery celebrating 30 years. And this Friday will become a licensed Unity minister. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. 
What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is Spirituality Times Two, Living Unity and Recovery. And my guest is Roxanne Graves. Roxanne is a person in long-term recovery celebrating 30 years and a soon-to-be licensed unity minister this Friday. She's going to get her license. She's a participant in the field licensing program, and she is thrilled about this, so we're going to hear more about it. Before we get back to uh, our conversation, I invite you to join me for a brief meditation, our Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to know that that peaceful presence that is your higher power is right there within you, around you, and allow yourself to relax. Be aware of your breath. Be aware of yourself present in your body temple in this time and place where you are. And share with me this constructive idea. I live my spirituality in my own wonderful, unique way. I live my spirituality in my own wonderful, unique way. And now we take a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute and I trust that it was an opportunity for you to make a conscious connection with your higher power that you uh, understand in your own unique way. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest Roxanne Graves and we're talking about spirituality times two, living unity and recovery. So Roxanne, before the uh, break, you were talking with us about how in both unity and recovery principles, we find that we have 
power that we have choice when maybe we didn't really know that very much before. So um, if you would tell us a little bit, first of all, about how you got into uh, unity, which is uh, the religious path or the spiritual path that sponsors Unity Online Radio. Um, I'm a unity minister. You're going to be licensed this Friday. It's a, a path of understanding um, of spiritual principles. So tell us a bit about how you got into participation in this unity path of spiritual understanding. Well, at about 10 years of recovery, I had a daughter. And at the time, I was not married and single just decided I was also, you know, it was time. So I I had a daughter, and I thought what I would do was to take her back to the church that I grew up in. I, I wanted her to have a spiritual family, and I had not found anyone here in Orlando. I had found a metaphysical church in Daytona Beach when I was there, but... After moving to Orlando, I hadn't quite found a spiritual home. So I thought I would take her back to the church of my roots. And after she was about a month old, I would take her to church, leave her at the nursery, and go into the service. And after my third homily on the breakdown of the American family and how having children out of wedlock our sins and how she was a sin, it occurred to me that I had been filtering out this kind of information my whole life. And they were going to be her spiritual authorities. She wasn't going to listen to me about it. And I didn't want to put her through a lifetime of trying to filter out being told that, A, she was born bad, and that she was a sin, and that her mother was sinful, and that her situation for being born was a bad one. When I had planned her, loved her, was the greatest thing that had happened in my life. And um, so I didn't want that conflicting information. So my very best friend had moved over from Tampa at the time, and she was had just become my daughter's nanny. And she said, well, you know what? I'm going to the Unity Church. And the Unity Church at the time was at the opposite end of the street from the church that I was going to. So I didn't even have to go very far. But she said, why don't you just come join us next Sunday? And I said, yeah, okay, why not? I'll start there. And I walked in. And like so many people have said, when I walked in, I, I knew I was home. I cried for the first three sermons. I, I knew right then that this was the right place for me and for my daughter, that they're, they're knowing that Unity believes that she was not only not born bad, but that she was born divine, that she was born blessed, and that I was too. It was exactly what I needed. And I've been with them ever since. She'll be 21. Oh, no, she is 21, actually. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness, time goes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been in unity about 21 years. Wow, that's great. So it sounds like, obviously, you found acceptance there. Um, you found a different understanding of spirituality. What else was it that's, that stood out for you, well, why this resonated with you? I found people who, like-minded people, I mean, the things that they were saying, the things that the minister, um, Phil Schlafer, great guy, he, the things he would say made sense to me. I understood them. They were what I really had thought my whole life, but no one had ever said them out loud to me, you know? I, I, I knew that this was where I belonged. And another really great thing about Unity Churches is oftentimes they have recovery meetings. So many, I think at the time, they had three different recovery meetings happening at the church. Plus they had occasional recovery um, 
seminars there. So there was a lot of recovery happening there and a lot of recovery people in the pews on Sundays. So I joined my family. I joined my recovery family as soon as I joined the church, (laughs) which was awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that's good. So what are the ways that you see similarities between the recovery principles and the unity principles? Because you it sounds like you're living in both of those um soul streams, I would I call them or wisdom paths. Um so how do they complement each other for you? Well, they both do believe in a God that is good, a loving God. You know, unity's first principle is there is only one power in the universe, and that is God, the good, that there is not an opposing force to God. And even though unity doesn't have anything that uses those I mean, excuse me, uh, recovery doesn't have anything that uses those exact same words. There are uh, things written in recovery that say things like God is everything or he's nothing. But we have to make that decision that God is everything or he's nothing. That there isn't an opposing force to God. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the idea that we co-create our lives In recovery, we learn that we are totally responsible for the experience that we have. That we can't be blaming other people, that we're not victims of our lives. And I guess it's Unity's third principle that tells us that we co create our lives with God, totally uh, in line with each other. In recovery, you're always hearing you gotta walk the walk. And that's unity's fifth principle. Um, not only do we have to walk the walk, but we really have no choice because universal principles work whether we like them or not, whether we understand them or not. We, we either, uh, walk the walk in recovery or we fall off. We either walk the walk in unity or we don't feel good about ourselves. You know, we, we are punished uh, by the sin, not for the sin. Does that, does that make mm-hmm. sense or does that kind of sure. get a little crazy there? Sure. Okay. No, no it does. Okay. Would you be willing to tell us about a situation where you walked out of, um, where you found that power within yourself that, again, recovery principles and unity principles talk about that. So you walked out of a, a situation where maybe you had felt victimized before, but you used these principles. You walked the walk, and and it changed. It changed. Something changed for you. You weren't well, one down anymore. <laughs> I could tell you, I was one of those really fun people. Um I would not ask for help for anything. I wanted to be the person who knew everything already, right? When I first came into recovery, forget it. I would pretend, I would, I would fib about knowing how to do something and then try to figure out how to do it. And I would break something before I would ask you how to use it. Mm-hmm. So being right was very important. Uh, mm-hmm. Being on top was very important. You know, I came from a large family and, you know, <laughs> a survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. So um, to admit that there was something I didn't know or that there was something that I had done incorrectly was a big, big issue for me when I first came into recovery. But mm-hmm. at some point, I heard in in studying, and this actually, in studying a book called um, Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox, and I actually started studying that book at the Unity Church with a group of people in recovery. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go again. We've mixed them so nicely. And mm-hmm. that book actually used to be used in recovery prior to their own materials having been published. 
So they're the those materials are very connected to recovery and very connected to unity. So there's a section in Sermon on the Mount where it talks about resist not evil. It talks about instead of fighting against things, let it go. Turn the other cheek. Turn toward God and don't resist. And we hear in recovery... um, or in unity, we hear both places. What we resist persists. We hear that a lot in unity. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had been studying this a little while, a little while. And then I went into work one day and something something came up. And my bosses weren't there. But what I thought was, man, I'm going to take care of this for them. I am going to do this. I am going to be the best employee on the planet. And when they come back tomorrow, they may even, like, promote me. They might make me part owner of the place. They will be so happy that I took care of this for them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and ask anybody? No. That would have been too much. So I, I did exactly that, took care of it. God, I had the greatest thing. The next day, my boss calls me into his office, and I'm thinking to myself, there it goes. This is it. I'm getting the promotion. I'm getting the raise. We're going for it. Man, he took me to the carpet, man. Wow. He Mm -hmm. just could not believe that I would take, you know, those kind of steps without having sex with anyone. And he just, you know, took me to the carpet. And Mm -hmm. all this stuff about resisting not evil... And understanding that I am not a victim, that I did have something to do with this, even though I had every good intention, it didn't ask anyone there what I should be doing. And all Mm -hmm. that kind of came together all in that moment. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? You're right. I should have asked. Mm -hmm. And at that moment... There was absolutely nothing else for him to say. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was like, there was nothing for him to say except, okay, don't do it again. And I said, okay. And so that is often. Now, the day before that, I would have argued about how I, you know, all the reasons why I did what I did. I just tried to convince him that what I did was the right thing, that. I had no other choices that it needed to be done. I would have gone crazy trying to be right. And mm-hmm. he might have even gotten fired because it really wasn't all that. But that wasn't a great thing that I did, mm-hmm. um, even though all my intentions were good. But at that moment, it really gelled in my mind. I understood truly for the first time that it was okay not to be right that there was actual power in letting go of the need to be right. That by accepting that I wasn't in charge of that and really didn't have any business doing it, I took back all the power of the moment and Mm -hmm. abused him completely. I thought I had figured a magic trick. Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Yeah, and, you know, as you're talking about that, what comes to mind is that uh, also by not resisting evil, you connected with yourself and, and, and you connected with your boss. You connected with the community. Because that resistance yeah. makes us isolated. Yeah, very good point. I hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have to be right. I cannot tell you what a breakthrough that was. I still have moments <laughs> where I can practice that a little better. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. That's a, that is, that's truly a breakthrough story. And I, I can relate to it. And I imagine uh, lots of other people can too. So these principles work then, huh? Is that what you're telling us, Roxanne? Spiritual I'm principles sorry, work? What? Spiritual yes, principles, principles work. work. Yes, mm-hmm. when we they actually work whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we even uh-huh. recognize them or not. Yeah, uh-huh. they do work. Yeah, it always has to go along with them, though. yeah it helps yeah that's fantastic yeah that's really wonderful 
Um, so it's almost time for our break. So okay. we are going to be going on our break here, but we'll be right back in just a moment. Uh, our topic today is spirituality times two, living unity and recovery. And um, my guest is Roxanne Graves. She's a person in long-term recovery and soon-to-be licensed unity minister. We'll be right back. Stay with us. In his new book, What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug?, Daryl Fuzaro emphasizes the positive effects of applying unity principles in everyday situations. Laura Harvey, editor of Daily Word magazine, exclaims Daryl Fuzaro shares his life lessons with inspiring creativity. This book is encouraging, funny, and heartwarming, a combination I highly recommend. As co-host of Unity Online Radio's Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, Daryl's old-school charm and no-nonsense approach to spirituality keep a global audience laughing and inspired. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug? Is loaded with Daryl's hilarious, award-winning illustrations and packs his wit and wisdom into easy-to-digest, bite-sized stories of how he transforms chaos into tranquility and succeeds in the entertainment business by doing the opposite of everyone else. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug is a pocket Bible encouraging the talented and timid to trust their gut, act on their intuition, and step out boldly. Even if you just bought it for the chapter titles and Daryl Fuzaro's illustrations alone, you'd be getting more than your money's worth with this book. Author and film critic Sister Rose Pucati says, Spending time with Fuzaro's stories will leave you no choice but to smile and carry on. Oh, he forgot to mention he hangs out with a group of nuns, but then, if he had, it would have necessitated a change to some of his more colorful adjectives. Have fun ordering your copy of What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug today on Amazon.com. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is Spirituality Times Two, Living Unity and Recovery. And uh, my guest is Roxanne Graves. She's got 30 years in recovery, and she is... Friday going to be licensed as a unity minister, and she's sharing with us today her spiritual path and how she lives that unique combination of unity and recovery principles. So, um, Roxanne, I'm going to ask her to tell us here how it is that she got interested in ministry, and um, I just realized we were talking there uh, during the break and that I'm going to have to practice the principle. She just said I was incorrect. She's not a part of the field licensing program. <laughs> She's in another program. So I was incorrect. So, Roxanne, tell us um, uh, another unity program. But anyway, so tell us what got you interested in ministry, and then tell us about the program that you're in. And um, so how did you get interested in ministry? You obviously had a different career for many years, and now you're in ministry. 
How'd that happen? Yes. Well, when I was growing up, we were told that we shouldn't expect to be happy at what we do for a living, that we just need to be concerned that we can take care of our family. So um, I got into a very practical field. I was an accountant um, for many, many, many years. And um, did get an MBA, and it was a very practical. Actually, it was a great career for me. And the company that I worked for for more than a decade was a great company, and I loved it. Um, I was able to make that job pretty much what I wanted it to be. And recovery taught me about being of service and the joy of being of service to people and to God. And that job as an accountant gave me the opportunity to do that, believe it or not. And in 2009, the job went away, and I got laid off along with many, many other people. And, of course, my family and everyone thought I would go right back to work in another accounting position, but there was something in my soul that just knew that was not the right thing for me to do. I didn't know what I needed to do. But I knew it wasn't to go back into accounting. And my daughter was starting college, and I thought, well, you know, now she's going to be growing and getting out on her own, and maybe it's time for the second half of my life that I do what I want to do, not what Mm -hmm. I think I need to do. And I had thought about being a unity minister many, many times. Actually, I thought the very first time, my call to ministry (laughs) was when I was 17 years old and I saw a motivational speaker for the very first time. Uh, When I grew up, the only way you could be um, a female and in service to God was as a nun, and I knew no one who wanted to be a nun, including myself. So I didn't really understand what that calling was, but when I saw that motivational speaker, I knew that's what I wanted to do. She was fabulous, and everyone left there feeling uplifted and better, and I knew that was like had to be the best job in the world. But then I got, you know, I got put in the position I needed to go to take care of my family, and off I went. Then when I had the opportunity, that still resonated with me, the idea of being a service, uh, motivating people, making them understand or seeing the beauty that they are and um, helping them see the beauty and joy in their lives. So, of course, being a unity minister was way too difficult. You know, you have to go away for three years. You have to to leave your family. And at this point, you know, I I had a relationship and children and dogs and birds and a house and, no, way too much trouble. So um, I thought, well, I'll go work with autistic children, which I did, and I loved, loved, loved that work. I substituted um, and worked with uh, at-risk high school students, which I loved, but none of it was really filling that passion. Mm-hmm. And so finally I just decided, okay, fine. I will start taking my prerequisites one at a time or two at a time. And the next thing you know, six years later, I am just a few days away from being licensed. So um, it has been a wonderful journey. It's been interesting because I started off at the village um, at Unity Institute, and I was taking classes online after I finished my prerequisites. And took probably a little more than a year at Unity Institute. And I came home for the summer and interned with my home church. And before I went back to school, two days before I was from Supply Back, the board and the minister offered me the job as the ministerial associate there. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was the end job I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. To get my mm-hmm. own church under my, my senior minister. You know my senior minister. She's fabulous. Reverend mm-hmm. Cynthia Alice Anderson. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to work under her. So mm-hmm. this was the job. And there was no way I was going to say no. And they were so sweet. They were like, we will support you in whatever program you need to be able to become ordained. And I ended up in um, Unity Urban Ministerial School out of Detroit, which is... Mm-hmm exactly where I needed to be. 
exactly mm-hmm. the the education that I needed and the training that I needed to do the work I want to do at Christ Church Unity. So their program, you have to, of course, still do the licensing and ordination reviews twice a year, but their program is online primarily, and I was able to finish up that way. That's wonderful. We have a question that was emailed in from a listener, Richard. And um, he asks, was there ever a moment when you almost gave up in your process of uh, ministerial education and moving toward your licensing? Richard asks, was there ever a moment that you almost gave up and why, if there was? That is a great question. There was never a moment I almost gave up. There were many, many moments that I almost never started. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but once I started, I was in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. I yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Go ahead. I didn't know what it was going to look like or how it was going to go. And every every time something changed, I... I didn't know what the next thing was going to be, but I always, I was always prepared to go forward in whatever fashion I needed to. Once I actually got going, and I'm so grateful that I finally said yes to the universe because I many, many times said, oh, no, that's way too scary. So I almost never started. Uh-huh. Well, Richard also asked another question. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask this in terms of, and since you've been in recovery and maybe even since you've been in your ministerial process, have you ever experienced a dark night of the soul? And how did you work through it, if you have? Prayer, 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 prayer. <laughs> silent unity. <laughs> and tell us what All silent unity souls. is. Everybody silent might not unity. know what silent Oh, you can call Silent Unity and ask them to pray with you, and they will pray with you on the spot, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's um, Unity's prayer line, and they have honestly walked me through dark nights of the soul. I haven't had a... I have had moments since I started ministerial school. I have had moments of feeling afraid that it wasn't going to work, afraid that I wasn't, that I, maybe I had made the wrong choice. I have had moments that might have gone into 24 hours, but I haven't had, praise God, a true dark night of the soul since starting my ministerial path. Mm-hmm. And I Thank think you have to make a lot of changes in order to make it, you know, to to do that. But I think to surrender, for me, it's all about surrender. It's all about once I actually was willing to just say yes, that's all I really needed to do. So it's like that, maybe that, Power that you were talking about early in the program today somehow it keeps welling up almost like Emily Cady, a, a Unity writer, foundational Unity writer over 100 years ago, talked about the spirit welling up like an artesian well within us. Let me <laughs> think about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So how does, uh, we're coming near the end of our talk here, but if you could just in a, a brief Summary, in your words of wisdom, Roxanne, tell us what's the best thing for you about the fact that you walk both of these spiritual paths. And again, people walk lots of paths. It's not about this one's better than anybody else's. But for you, what is it that works for you so about integrating unity and recovery principles? What would you leave us with about that? I think the most important thing is that from the very beginning, they resonated with me. When when I started recovering, 
I wanted so badly to belong somewhere. I wanted to stop feeling so horrible every single day of my life. By the time I I came into recovery, I had really, truly been beaten to the ground. And when I stepped into the rooms of recovery, I actually felt that there was some hope. If, if these people could smile and be happy and be okay and life happens and they're still okay, then maybe it can work for me too. And then when through recovery I stumbled into unity, I knew immediately that these were like-minded people. These principles that I wasn't even familiar with yet immediately started to resonate with my soul and I knew that these were like-minded people, that like the recovery group, these were people who would understand me and love me for exactly who I am. And then they taught me to love myself. Both groups have been very instrumental in my process of learning to love myself. That is beautiful. And, and boy, what you just said really touched my heart. Um, Roxanne, thank you for being my guest today. And thank you for sharing from your heart and for living your recovery. Thank you for living unity and big congratulations on your upcoming thank you. licensing. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Thank you. For Yay. sure. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for saying yes. And uh, listeners, thank you for being with us today. Have a wonderful week and know that you too are blessed and that love lives in you and expresses through you. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, 
either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.